Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of, of Ephesians. Ephesians, and we come this morning to chapter 6, the first three verses. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Amen. In chapter 4, Paul has been showing us a walk worthy of our calling in Christ. And having applied it to many areas of our personal life, he is focusing from the middle of chapter 5 on how this should be worked out in our family relationships. And so we've spent time considering wives and husbands. But now here in Ephesians 6, similarly to what we find in Colossians chapter 3, Paul moves to children and parents. And he begins in verse 1 through 3 with the duties and responsibilities of children. The family in 21st century America, as I've mentioned before, is under ferocious attack in many ways. Marriage has been attacked. And so we need to be very careful here as a congregation that we preserve the godly and biblical relation and role between husband and wife. But when we move to the relationship between parents and children, this, I believe it is fair to say, has been even more shattered and destroyed in our society. You see, you can have a man and a woman and they have a relatively happy marriage. They keep their vows. They're committed to one another through life unto death. And yet the relationship between parents and children in that home can be very different. When you study the word, Old Testament and New Testament, when you study the history of Christian teaching, whether it be the early church fathers, whether it be the medieval period, the Reformation period, the Puritan period, indeed right up to the 20th century, you have to sit back and conclude that we are so far removed from a biblical understanding in these areas in our present climate. As we work through these things today, I trust you have something of the experience that I've had myself. When you consider your own childhood and your own youth, some of you who are older than me, thank the Lord for that. You were brought up pre-1950s or in the 1950s. These things were far more ingrained in society, but if you were brought up after that, after the 60s, through the 70s, through the 80s, you will look back on your younger disrespect and dishonor of your parents. And you look at that 
and you realize that what we're dealing with here in these verses is in essence the rebuilding of a culture in the church, in the state. Indeed, we're trying to put the stones back together of a civilization that has crumbled. title is very simple. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. Or some of us today here as adults are going to have to mourn. We may have to say sorry. We may have to go to parents and say, I sinned against you. Children, obey your parents. First of all, children are addressed. That's significant. Children are addressed. When Paul begins this letter, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, which are at Ephesus. He's describing the church as a congregation of visible saints. And now in chapter 6, verse 1, he addresses children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So among the saints in Ephesus, we have a class or category of visible saint, namely children. That reminds us of the biblical doctrine of the church, that the visible church on earth consists of all those who profess true religion in the world together with their children. God has always included children among his covenant people. And so we baptize children in this congregation. We recognize them to be members of his covenant people. And then we preach the whole of the world, the word, to the whole of their person so that we tell them that they need to be born again. And then we press them with urgent calls to repent and to believe the gospel. But we don't stop there. We tell them that by virtue of their baptism, they are duty bound to live according to the terms of God's covenant and they are expected to walk as his disciples. Now, all of us here have been children. Some of us older people still are children. And so there are things that I will say today that will apply to your relationship with your parents even now. But it is fair to say that much of this sermon, children, is directed to you. To those of you who are children under the care of your parents in the home. And God comes to you this morning in his kindness. And he speaks to you, calling for your particular obedience to him in this area. Your baptism, as I said, places bonds upon you to walk in the ways of the Lord. And therefore, it is a motive for you to keep this particular commandment. But then when you evaluate your life, or as the word scrutinizes your life today, you might discover something about yourself. You might recognize that your struggle, your disobedience, your rebellion in this area is preaching to you that you were not converted. This one question, why am I rebellious against my parents? Why do I not honor my parents? It's because I'm dead in my sin. 
They need a new hope. But then, on the contrary, there are those of you who are children, and hearing the word today, you might say, I love this. I see that it is good. I desire to honor my parents, and though I'm, I'm still a sinner, I strive to do this. What an encouragement to you. Because as we said last week, when we considered the tree and its fruit, there is evidence that the fruit on the tree of your life, children, is good. But it's evidence of new birth in Christ unto holiness. So God is addressing children. But then secondly, God is commanding children. So we move from children addressed to children commanded. What does he say? First of all, verse one, children, obey your parents. Then adding to that in verse two, he says, honor thy father and thy mother. So there's two verbs there, two doing words. You are to obey and you are to honor. And in these commandments, we have summarized everything that the Bible teaches you as children that you are required to do to your parents. Or there are many, many other texts. I want to share but a few of them with you this morning. If you would turn first to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus 21 and look there at verse 15 and again at verse 17. The command itself is given in the previous chapter, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And now in chapter 21 verse 15, and he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. Verse 17, and he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And then you could turn to the book of Proverbs, which is an extended exhortation from a father to his son. And so many times he comes to his son and he says, listen to me, hear me, give me your heart. Obey the things that I teach you. Move into the New Testament, then the commandment is repeated here as elsewhere. And you've got further teaching like what we read in Mark chapter 7, the perverted thought of the Pharisees that they didn't have to continue in honor and care of their parents into adulthood. And Jesus says, no, you've exalted your own tradition and you've made my word of none effect. So everything that the Bible has to say about the relationship of children to parents is condensed into these two words, children obey your parents, honor thy father and thy mother. So if you don't take anything more away from this sermon this morning, and I hope you do children, take this, your great duty is to obey your parents. Children of every age, children of every sex, children of every nation, everywhere at all times are to obey parents of every kind. 
Uh, you know that the fifth commandment deals with all of our relations of inferiority and superiority. So submission to elders in the church and recognition of lawful civil, civil government, it all comes under that. But Paul here is applying the word particularly to our domestic relations. Children of every kind to parents of every kind. You say, well, what kind of parents do we have? Well, you have natural parents. You may have adoptive parents. You may have step parents. You may have grandparents. You may have parents in law. Parents in law. That's not even understood today, although the name itself should tell you something. That I have a natural mother and I have a legal mother, a mother in law. And I am duty bound to give honor to all. Not just Christian parents. Paul doesn't say obey your parents if they are Christians. He says, children, obey your parents. So there are three things that I want to open up in relation to this command. The first is obedience. The word in Greek and in Hebrew in scripture for obedience is connected to listening. And so in the Old Testament, to listen is implicitly to obey. That's why we have in our Old Testament the word hearken. It has the word hear in it. And it's not just saying listen. It means listen so as to obey. And so when we come into Greek, the word for hear is akuen, and the word for obey is hyperakuen. It's like really listen. In other words, go and do it. So to obey is to hearken. Children, obey your parents. Listen to what they say and do it. Now, if you were to consider this passage over against the parallel in Colossians chapter 3, Paul adds something there. He says, children, obey your parents in all things. So we listen and we do all things that they lawfully command us. Secondly, you are to honor. And honor, of course, includes obedience. But the idea of honor is helpful because it starts with an inward appreciation of something. It carries the idea of reverencing and respecting your parents. Honor thy father and mother so that you have a reverential and a res an affectionate respect of your parents. You have a high esteem of your parents so that you are to fear them in the sense that you are to revere them. The thought of your parents ought never to be a light thought. It's a weighty thing. God takes this for granted when he comes and challenges the people in the day of Malachi. He says, you understand this. You know that a son is to reverence his father. But I'm your father. And so he protests, if I am a father, where is my honor? Why do you not fear me? Why do you not respect me? Why do you not highly esteem me? Why do you not obey me? 
This fear is actually commanded in the law. If you turn to Leviticus chapter 19, you will see this. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 through 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, how ought we to be holy? The first thing he commands in verse 3, Ye shall fear every man his mother. and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. Children, do you know what that means? It means you should be horrified at the thought of dishonoring your parents. And when you do dishonor them, it ought to bring a sense of dreadful shame into your hearts. God says your parents are to be revered, honored, respected. But this fear begins inside, doesn't it? So that tells you that your obedience is not merely doing what your parents say outwardly. It has to do with how you do what they say. And so you're not really obeying your parents if you simply do what they say grudgingly or rudely. Or you obey them because you know they can make you obey. Or you obey them because you know you can't get out of obeying them. Your obedience is to begin from the place of honor where you respect your parents and you are thankful for them. Remember years ago, listening to sermons by Al Martin, How Not to Foul Up the Training of Your Children. And he talked about one of his children and he told them, take out the trash. And the child didn't do it. And he says, I told you to take out the trash. And the child got up and he took out the trash with a bad attitude and he came back in. And he says, now I want you to go and get the trash and bring it back in and go and do it with the right attitude because that's not obedience. You see, he understood. He understood the commandment of God. Your obedience to parents is to be performed with a willing and ready mind. It's not the service of a forced slave. It's the obedience of a son. We have obedience, we have love, third, our, our honor. Thirdly, we have love. This is the first commandment of what we call the second table of the law, which summarized by Jesus is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Children, who is your closest neighbor in this world? Until you get married, your closest neighbor is your parent. Therefore, honor and obedience to father and mother is love to your nearest neighbor. The opposite, rebellion and disobedience to your father and mother is hatred of your nearest neighbor and of God. 
who gave your parents to you. So we have obedience, honor, and love in this command. Thirdly, we have reasons given as to why we should obey. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, we can find four reasons. Why ought we to obey our parents? Well, first of all, verse 1, because it's right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In the next verse, he'll appeal to a particular commandment, the fifth commandment. But this is even more basic. You do it because it is right. We might even say, you do it because it is so self-evidently and obviously right. The law of nature proves the propriety of this commandment. Who brought you into the world? Your parents. Who has God placed over you in this world? Your parents. Your parents love you. They take pains to care for you. Your mother bore you. She nourishes you. You sit here and listen to me now and you understand what I say. If you were to look around, you, you, you would see what you were, a child. A child on the chest of her mother. That was you. Your father labored for years to feed you, to clothe you, to protect you, to house you. Paul says, are you so stupid as to, to not recognize the propriety of this commandment? That's why this principle has been universally recognized, not only by Christians, in all cultures. Until the West in the 21st century, they've got new wisdom from somewhere. And what's the result of it? Chaos. Catastrophic chaos. We could go to the pagans in the East and they could teach us because it is obviously right. Is it not right to love those who loved you? Is it not right to respect and acknowledge dependence upon those who are older than you, wiser than you, given a clear place of authority over you by God? And is it not right to say that where this is lacking, there is a beastly, brutish lack of understanding and natural affection? God has established this relationship. Parental authority, child subjection. And yet in the Bible... He uses that relationship to describe his own relationship to the church. I am your father. Friends, that means that in a particular way, fathers in households 
are an image of God to their children. He's the one who gave you parents. He's the one who gives you power to command of your for, to your parents to command you. He understands that there's no perfect parent in the world, but he does not make the condition of your obedience having perfect parents. Well, I would obey my parents if my parents were perfect. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for they are perfect. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Because this is right. So there's the first reason it's right. The second reason is it's commanded. There's enough obvious to us in nature to prove this is right. But God goes further. He positively commands it in his law. He includes it in the Ten Commandments written by his own finger on tables of stone. And he shows us here in the New Testament that the same command continues to be in force today. God commands you clearly, and he leaves you in no doubt. This is not optional. It's not left up to your discretion. You are bound to obey your parents under God as you are bound to obey God himself. Because it is obedience to God. My children, listen carefully. That means to disobey your parents is in the first place disobedience to God, doesn't it? And what happens when you struggle with this? When your parents come, they require something off you and you chafe. What happens? You think, my parents are the problem. And you get angry in your heart and God's showing you your heart when you do that. And you direct your anger to your parents, but you need to understand your anger is not directed at your parents. Your anger is directed at God. And you're provoking God to be angry with you. Furthermore, you fail to recognize that all of the commands of God are good. He doesn't command you to do anything that is for evil. And there you are thinking, my parents are the problem, they're not the problem. And there you are imagining that what you want to do is the thing that is good for you. And the Lord is saying, no, this is suicidal. You're despising what is good. You're choosing that which is destructive. Listen to my commandments. It is right, it is commanded. Thirdly, you are to obey them in the Lord. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's another reason. We can consider this in two ways. First of all, it is a limitation. It's a limitation to your obedience. When God commands us to obey any human authority, it's not absolute. So parents do not have the right to command you to sin. Your obedience is in the Lord. You see examples of this in Scripture. Think of Michael, David's wife, and Saul requires her to get in league with him in his plot to murder David. What does she do? She disobeys her father because she knows that it would make her complicit in his iniquity. 
So if a parent were to command you to lie, you would say no. If a parent commanded you to marry an idolater, you would say no. If a parent commanded you not to worship the true and living God, you would say no. But it seems that Paul's main point in using this phrase is not so much a limitation, but a motivation. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, so that he's supplying you a gospel motive for your obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord with a heart that is right with God. Sincerely from that heart, not pretending mere outward conformity, because the Lord sees the heart. Obey your parents in the Lord, not just when you're in the presence of your parents, when they see you, but understanding that the Lord sees you at, at all times in, in every place. And he observes your obedience or disobedience. Obey your parents constantly. To the glory of Christ. What is your chief end, children? My chief end is to glorify God. Here is one area where you are to glorify God by obeying your parents in the Lord. Turn a few pages to Colossians chapter 3 and you'll see how Paul enforces this argument. We have two texts that are found together but aren't often quoted together. But when we see them in context, the second verse gets a new sense of application. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in, the, in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And now look at verse 23. At the end of these commandments to our domestic relations, he says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Supplying it to the servant-master relationship, but immediately on the back of the child-parent relationship. So you take this to your obedience at home, and you say, how am I to do it? I am to obey my parents heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. My main aim is to please the Lord. Well, this will help you answer your own disobedience and rebellion when you find it in your heart. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against the Lord? You are to have a saving relationship to Jesus. And that relationship adds another motive to your obedience to parents. So it's not just natural affection and that which is right and obvious. But it's gracious gospel compulsion. I am going to obey my parents in the Lord because this is right. Because it is well pleasing unto the Lord. And I'm going to do it unto them secondarily. But primarily, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. Fourth reason, it has a promised reward. 
has a promised reward. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So Paul brings Exodus 20 together with Deuteronomy chapter 5, the two places where the fifth commandment is found. And he modifies the promise at the end to suit the New Testament church. The promise to Israel was that their days would be long in the land that the Lord their God gave them. But of course, we're not given Canaan. But the promise is repeated that your days may be long upon the earth. Do you see we have here a promise to motivate us? He doesn't just say it's right. That would be enough. He doesn't just positively command it so that we are to obey out of mere duty. And, and that would be sufficient. He has the right to do that. He actually holds unto us the promise of a reward to incentivize our obedience. We do that with our children. People do it in the workplace. You, you meet your target, you get this bonus. And the Lord does it here in the fifth commandment. Do this because there is a war, a reward. It's for your good. You will actually get to eat of the fruit of your obedience. So there's the child and the child thinks, I know what's for my good. And I know what, what I want. And God says, oh, I've got so much more good for you here. If you would only, if you would only give respect unto my commandments. But there's a negative side to this promise, isn't there? You obey, your days will be long upon the land. You disobey. Well, there's a curse for your disobedience. Your days will not be long. I remember it's a general promise. There are many obedient children who die young. There are many disobedient children who live long. But in general, there's a cause and effect relationship here. And you see it played out, don't you? You could give examples that you know of in society today. A wayward son continues down a path to his own destruction, just as God said. You'll find it in scripture. You have the sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. And what do they do? They refuse to obey their parents. And they're cut off. They don't live out half their days. But in the law, this is actually commanded. Want an example of this? Deuteronomy chapter 21, the incorrigible son, the parents have tried. They can do nothing with him. What's the fruit of his ways? His days will be short upon the land because he will be brought to the judge and he will come under the sentence of death for his horrific dishonor and disobedience of his parents. You find it in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, that the eye that mocketh his mother, the ravens of the field, will eat it out. In other words, he will die a shameful death and his carcass will be left in the open field. You find it in the New Testament at the end of Romans chapter 1. This list of sins, including disobedience of parents, and Paul says, 
that knowing these things are worthy of death. Oh, but this is the New Testament. Paul's very well aware of that. He's writing the book of Romans after all. And he says, knowing these things are worthy of death. People not only do them, but have pleasure in those who do them. There's a reward for obedience, but there is a curse. The curse of God is upon our disobedience. So with these four reasons, it's right, it's commanded, it's in the Lord, and there's a promise. To the end of our sermon then, I want to apply this whole duty. First of all, you are to honor your parents. Remember that we've said obedience starts in the heart. The fruit flows from honor and respect. So parents are to live in a way that they are to be honored and children are to honor their parents. But again, as I said, you look out to the culture and what do you see? You see everything seems to be against this today. There has been a systematic, academic, and political destruction of the family. And this is one of the areas that has been targeted. Let's divide the home, not just husband and wife. Let's divide the home, parent from child. And you and I sit here today, and we are fools if we do not understand that we ourselves are the products of that culture. Sometimes we've got a very microscopic view. We look at what's going on today and it's crazy. And you think, well, it's all the problem of today. We didn't get here in one step. We have all walked this road in our upbringing, whether as children or as parents to children. Children, you are to have, listen, a high esteem and awful respect for your parents and for both of them. It's not just that you think, well, I obey my father and I honor my father because my father carries naturally more of a sense of fear. We read in Leviticus chapter 19, be holy for I am holy. What was the first command? Thou shalt fear thy father? No. Thou shalt fear thy mother. Woe unto you if you don't. If you need the shadow of your father to revere your mother, you need to repent before God and say, something needs to happen to my heart. Your father is the head of his wife. That is true. But that's their relationship. They are both over you, children. They are both over you. You will honor your children or you will honor your, your, your parents in the childhood. You will honor your parents in those difficult years where you traverse childhood to adulthood. You will honor them. And you will honor your parents when you move into adulthood. And as time goes on, things changes, change. They were once stronger than you. They were once, once more wealthy than you. 
They were once in a higher position in society than you. And you may come to the position where you're stronger, you're more wealthy, and you're in a higher rank in society than they are. You have to honor them. God doesn't care about that in this relationship. You see it with Joseph, don't you? There he is exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh. And the only person that Joseph bows to in the whole of Egypt is Pharaoh. Is that right? No. Because his father comes. And he presents his children to his father. He rises up and he bows down his face to the earth. Solomon, the king of Israel, exalted in the glory of his kingdom, Bathsheba comes to see him. She's an old woman. And he rises up and he bows down before his mother. You will stand in various relationships of inferior and superior where you are required to give honor. You will stand in these relationships yourself. But no one in your life gets more honor than your mother and father. Suppose you were the king of the greatest empire. You honor your father and your mother. You reverence them and how you speak to them. Not so long ago, this was understood. I remember remnants of it from my early childhood, but it's been obliterated today. We have children who come in and they think that they can speak insolently to their parents as though they were inferior equals. In fact, they'll speak down to their parents. Who are you? Who are you to command me? What do you know? We start to shudder when we think back. They ran to their parents as if their parents were their buddies. Worse than that, they're rude, they're arrogant, and it is disgustingly sinful. You reverence them and how they speak to you. And if you're a parent, a parent, if you're a parent and your children are speaking insolently to you, get them to shut their mouths immediately because they are provoking Almighty God. You reverence them and how you speak off them when you go out among your friends. This is another terrible sin that many of us are guilty of. You, get, you met up with your friends. My parents are this. My parents are, th are that. God hears it all. Exodus 21, 17 that we read that those who curse their father and their mother are placed under the sentence of death. We're getting the point. We honor our father and mother. Secondly, we listen to their instruction. 
Childhood is naturally an ignorant state. It's, it's such an ignorant state that, that you don't even know how ignorant you are. And we've all been there. It's naturally an ignorant state. And God in his kindness has not just birthed you into the world and left you to fend for yourself, but he has, in his order, given you parents for your instruction. They know more than you. They're wiser than you. And don't make the mistake by thinking if they don't have more knowledge in a particular little technical area than you that they don't know more than you. I'm talking about the big picture. I'm talking about life. They know more than you. And don't think that I'm here saying, well, you know, parents are wonderful. Children, you know how they got to be wiser than you and know more than you because they were like you and their parents had to teach them. That's why Solomon gives us the book of Proverbs and he comes repeatedly to his son and he says, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You say, Solomon, why do you keep saying that? Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Because he had a son like every other person who had a son and they're slow to listen and they're not going to want to listen and they think they know best. And Solomon persists. But what about you as a child? You should actually want to receive this instruction. We have children who go anywhere else than their parents because they think, I'm going to be independent. And they'll listen to everyone apart from their parents. And these people have known them but from yesterday. But the biblical picture is that holiness would be desire in the heart of a child that will go and seek the instruction of the parent and when received, carefully listen to it. Because why would you ever think your parent who loves you would give you instruction tailored toward your destruction? Why would they do that? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll give my children really bad advice so that I can watch them destroy themselves. Who, who thinks like that? My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Proverbs chapter 1. Chapter 4, he says, I was the son of my father and he instructed me and now I come to you and I beg you, my son, get wisdom, get understanding. Listen to me, keep it. This is life. I had to learn it. I know how difficult it is to come under instruction. But now in love and before God, I give it to you. Give me thine heart, O son. Proverbs 13, a wise son. Here is the father's instruction. Are you wise or are you a fool? Answer for yourself. But a scorner heareth not rebuke. A wise son maketh glad a father, but a foolish son 
is the heaviness of his mother. Hearken to my instruction. And Solomon says, it will be a crown of glory to you. The time will come in your life where you get wisdom enough to understand that your, your parents were wiser than you thought they were. We've all been there, haven't we? All of a sudden, our, our parents got very smart. The, the change was not in them, it was in us. We got smarter. Learn now, children, by receiving the instruction they give to you. Thirdly, receive their correction, whether it's verbal correction or physical reproof. When your parents correct you with words, open your ear, shut your mouth, be slow to speak, be swift to hear. Receive it as a good thing with the determination that what they point out is wrong, I will amend. That is the whole purpose of correction. But many have a stubborn and rebellious heart that will not be corrected. It will not be reproved. There's always an answer. Because wisdom begins and ends in the mind of the child. Suppose you're reproved wrongly. Even then you're to honor your parents in the way that you would approach them meekly to discuss it. But if you're approved justly, you bring your judgment by God's grace into line with the judgment of your parents. You make your will one with theirs. Under their authority is a wise-hearted child. Or when your parents apply the rod of correction, Understand it is an instrument of wisdom and love. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this, that the Lord chastens those whom he loves. And he says, you know this because loving fathers do this to their children. Because foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive that foolishness out of him. So John Flavel says the child has as much reason to be angry when spanked as if his parent reached out and saved him when he was about to fall off the edge of a cliff. Both love. Don't be like Hophni and Phineas. Their father came to them, pleaded with them. They would not hear. Why? Because the Lord would slay them. Their disobedience to the, their father was evidence that the Lord was letting them run down a path to destruction. Don't be like them. Receive their correction. Fourthly, obey your parents. Obey them. We've mentioned it already, but I want to consider here its extent. In all things. In all things. Let that sink in. We did this when we looked at the wife and we said how we always try to find reasons not to obey. How little am I to obey in? 
and we can bring in all the caveats that we're not to obey our parents if they require us to sin. But all of a sudden, we're trying to limit the extent of our obedience. But you see, if we honor our parents and our heart is right, we want to maximize the extent of our obedience in all things. Have a heart to obey what they say promptly because delayed obedience is disobedience. Have a heart to respond happily. The way Joseph, when his father called him from the fields and sent him off on a journey to go to his brothers, appears before his father and in obedience says, Father, here I am. When we look at this all things today, this is one of the most challenging areas to our hearts. Because it's really here that we learn how far we've been affected by the spirit of this age. Both as children and also as parents in recognizing what our authority actually is. Children, children, obey your parents in all things. The things you do, the places you go, the clothes you wear, the words you speak, your callings in life. Your parents have a government over all these things. And the majority of young people and children in the world, but in the church, don't respect this they don't respect this i would encourage you all to, to just go and steep yourself in the history of the christian church church fathers medieval reformation puritan read it all and you know you'll discover you'll find your heart is recoiling from the things that they say and you say well they were men of their age funny two thousand years of it who, who's, who's the man of his age? We are. We are. You will learn just how worldly and rebellious we have become in the church of Jesus Christ. The attitude is today more than ever that the will of the parent is to bow to the will of the child. And because of that, parents only require what they think the child will give to them. But God takes it for granted. He says, if I'm a father, where is my honor? Maybe your parents need to put that question to you. If I am a father, if I am a mother, where is my honor? Obey your parents in all things. Finally, honor them when you were older children. Honor them when you were older children. This is not a command that only applies to children who are under age. It applies to children of every age. While the relationship changes, do not make the mistake of thinking that it is ever irrelevant. We've seen Joseph bow to his aged father, Solomon bow to his aged mother. Both in high office, give a higher honor 
to their parents in that position. There are a number of ways that you can do this. First of all, honor them in the choice of a husband or wife. I can't go into this in detail this morning. But you are your parents' child. That means that in a certain sense, they own you. That's one of the things that's really rejected today. Not for 2,000 years and more. Add the Old Testament to it as well. That was just 101 understanding of what the family is. They give you your life. You're part of their family. They have authority over you. And they have authority over who you marry. There's so many commands and examples in the Bible that show this. You must not give your sons to their daughters. You must not give your daughters to their sons. You see it actually done over and over again. We saw it recently, didn't we? Whoever goes up and takes Kerjath Seaver, will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife? Who had the power and authority there over the question of his daughter's marriage? father gives his daughter's hand in marriage. This is not a sentimental custom on the wedding day. It is something that is sought prior before you ever get to the wedding day. Now, we still kind of understand that in the church today, don't we? But the father, too, gives the son permission to marry a suitable wife. That's not so well understood. Because taking that suitable wife is bringing a daughter into the family. It's a new relationship that will exist of parent to child in law. There's a union of two households. So when you look at this scripturally, and I challenge you to do so, you're to obey all of their lawful commands and are not to marry without consent. Now, they have to have lawful reasons. They can't just be tired, so, well, I don't like that person, so you're not marrying them. They need to come up with biblical reasons. Otherwise, that can be resisted. So they're going to work with you. They're going to listen to you. But where that permission is lawfully withheld, you are forbidden by your parents and God to enter into that union. That is nuts to the modern mind. Brethren, that is absolutely biblical from beginning to end. Then you will honor them in recompensing and relieving them in their need and in their old age. Something else we've lost in Western society. The Pharisees in Jesus' day distorted the commandment, Mark chapter 7. They said, well, if I give a donation to the temple, that replaces before God my duty to care for my parents. And Jesus opposes this. And then Paul adds in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that not caring for a widowed mother makes us monstrous, worse than infidels who have the light of nature and natural affection enough 
to understand that that is right. It's a duty that is required of us, but it's also an obvious recompense. In fact, your care of elderly relatives is incomparable to what those parents invested in you. Think about it. We say, oh, it costs time, it costs money, I need patience, it's inconvenient, it's going to put constraints on my life. Okay, what do you think your parents did for more than two decades to bring you to adulthood? What, what do you think they did? How many sleepless nights do you think they had? What pain and travail did your mother have carrying you in her womb, birthing you into this world, nursing you upon her breast? cleaning and changing you when you could do nothing for yourself. Or bearing things that they wanted to do, giving their time, fathers working hard, many hours, year after year after year, so that you could eat. They did it in love, and love, repay, love repays love, doesn't it? Love repays love. And Paul says, here is a test of piety. Whether or not we will give ourselves to this care. So Joseph takes Jacob under his care in his old age. Ruth goes out to glean in the field, not just for herself, but to provide for Naomi. And Jesus on the cross takes care to provide for his mother, even when he's dying. Woman, behold thy son. He puts her into the care of the Apostle John. The modern parent has a problem receiving this and the modern child has a problem giving it. But it's good. So then here is another part of our worthy walk in the home. Do we understand the gospel? Has the gospel sunk in? If it has then out of the heart we will be concerned with this commandment, children obey your parents. As younger children and as older children. And the truth ought to be, the older we get, the honor should grow. Not diminish. And we will look out for opportunities in how we may render it. It might be hard, and they may not be Christian, and they may have infirmities, and you might get weary, but it is right. And you look to the Lord, and you delight in obedience to him. Let's stand for prayer. Oh, Lord, forgive our sins. Forgive our sins of rebellion against you in the person of parents. How many of us have to come and say, My sins and faults of youth, do thou, O Lord, forget? After thy mercy, think on me, and for thy goodness, great. Teach us how to fear the Lord 
in this area. Deliver us from our own thoughts. Deliver us from the carnality of a world that hates God and has destroyed the Christian family. It should be so obvious to us that we ought not to follow their lead. Help us to follow the scriptures as they command that which is good. And sanctify us individually and as households and bless our relationship that it might grow in holiness between children and parents. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.